Hello, residents of Meepletown. This is Dean. This is Darren. And today we're going to be talking about a couple games we've been playing lately, some things that we're jazzed about, and also do a showdown between Camel Up 2nd Edition and Camel Up the Card Game. So thanks for joining us as we seek to create community through board gaming. This is episode 145. Residents of Meepletown, let me just tell you, you are the best. If you recall, I believe in the, an episode or two ago when Dean and I did our top 10 overall games, uh, Dean mentioned the following week, I know he did on Discord, I think in the previous episode, that that was our largest downloading numbers uh, in one day as of record until this past week's episode. This last episode, Meebletown, you broke all records, shattered them to smithereens. We had, again, our largest download numbers in one day. Let us just say, thank you. You are the best. You are amazing. Are they not, Dean? Oh, fantastic. And in fact, we only do the show because of the numbers, because we want to <laughs> collect people. Collect, That's right. Collect well, numbers. No, obviously. We're sort of that building community. Case. Building community also means building a cult. Is that what's <laughs> happening? Cthulhu, our great dark lord of Cthulhu, is raining down upon us. <laughs> hey, well, you know, it's October. It's, it's uh, there you go. entering into there. that month. So yeah. so if you would like to join... No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> We're not going to do that. But uh, but yeah, we are super thankful that that we're just growing. It, it, I don't know what else to say. We are we have been growing. Um, part of that, you know, whenever you do your top games of all time, you're going to have a high download list. Or if you do a big, you know, best games anticipated coming out at Essence Spiel, all of those tend to be the higher download numbers anyway. But even before that, we we've been doing really well, and and so I am I'm thankful, and I know that we have a lot of new listeners. And things are going well. Things are going good on the Discord. Good conversation going on there. Lots of fun games being had on the, uh, I never talk about this that much, but the Meepletown community over at Board Game Arena. We've got lots of good games. I've got a lot of games of heat going on right now. There's been people requesting lots of heat. And so, so yeah, lots of good stuff going on over there. It is just a good time to be a part of Meepletown, I think. Absolutely. So, yeah, thank you. Resonance, keep keep spreading the word, keep keep talking it up, uh, keep supporting us however you can. You know, I know Dean. Oftentimes at the end, we'll talk about uh, supporting through Patreon or buy me a coffee or any of those types of ways. But even even if not, go on and writing a review uh, in iTunes or wherever you find your podcast is is always helpful to to helping get the word out so we can continue to build community through board games because it's not just talking about board games; it's uh, it's hanging out with people, you know. It's, yeah. it's doing the whole people community thing because there is um, there's lots of good stuff here. I know, I know I've heard some good things, from, um, comments from others who, have listen, who are listening or comments and things on Discord. And Dean, you've heard a few positive um, reactions uh, through, through email or, or whatnot, have you, about some of, the, some of the new listeners and their listening experience with their families. That's right. Yeah. Before that, though, since you'd mentioned the Patreon and, and Buy Me a Coffee, you can click on the links in the show notes for that. But just just so you're aware, this is the time of year where our our bills come up. And so mm-hmm. paying for the hosting for the website, for the podcast hosting, um, that is this time of year. So if anybody did want to support financially specifically 
towards those things. Uh, buy me a coffee is probably the best way to do it just because it's a one-off, you know, throw us a few dollars or whatever if you want to do that. We're about to have our bank account. The Meeple Town Bank is about to be wiped out, <laughs> not by not by robbers, but by the people who host the podcast. So just uh, consider that. Again, we're doing this for fun and we put our own money into it, but it also helps if anybody would like to support and pitch in that way. But yeah, you're right. So Daniel Hopkins about uh, a month and a half ago (laughs) sent this message and I apologize. I'm just now getting around to it. But, you know, when we went through our top 50, we, we tried to really stick with just that, not have a whole lot of banter and other things. But, but uh, Daniel Hopkins from um, who is new to the podcast, by the way, new or hopefully is still listening to the podcast because (laughs) We completely ignored this this message, but um, he said he didn't remember whose voice it was, but wanted to know who lived an hour north of Indianapolis, which is Darren, not myself. Woot, woot. I live live a little bit farther south, about four hours, um, uh, five, maybe five, my five hours from Indianapolis, somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Daniel says my parents grew up in Warsaw, Indiana. I'm assuming you know where the this place is. I do. Yeah, we have some uh, students and some former students that are from the the Warsaw area. Absolutely. Love the people in Warsaw. Okay. All right. And it says, I graduated from Grace College in Winona Lake, Indiana. Sweet. Okay. All right. means nothing to me, which is right next door to (laughs) Warsaw. And I married my beautiful wife who grew up in Bremen, Indiana. Fantastic. And said, I also taught high school English and journalism at... Wawasi High School. You're getting a little more difficult in the pronunciations here, so I'm going to have to start. <laughs> That's how we roll in the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. I'll come back to that in just a second for um, for two years before switching to software development. And so anyway, he says he has lots of Indiana ties, so I thought I'd ask. And also said that he's enjoying the podcast. And this is the part that makes me really happy, but I'm thank you for making it a truly family-friendly podcast. My oldest son, Nine, enjoys listening to board game podcast in the van. And I'm glad I don't have to worry about Meeple Town. And so that that it really is our heart. And that means a ton to know that you can listen to it with with your family and, and not feeling like you need to, oh, quick, change it over. And you know, some podcasts you can't do that, even though there's great podcasts out there, not all of them. And sometimes maybe ours isn't either, but not all of them are wholly family friendly. But I want my kids to be able to listen to it as well. And I've got two around that same age, Daniel. So thank you for sending that email in. Continue to send the emails into mapletownmail at gmail.com. Send questions too, because we're going to be asking some questions coming up in the Meepletown mailbag coming up in the not too distant future. But I was going to say, I grew up on Quantica Sea Road. Which is unfortunate <laughs> because, you know, learning how to spell is already difficult. And then spelling Quantica C and, you know, there's lots of those up in, in Michigan as well. So mm-hmm. I, I bet you learned how to, so much. I, I bet you learned how to spell early, though. At a young age, you were probably one of the top spellers because you had to be. Well, OK, I don't want to brag, but I <laughs> uh, think I did get maybe second place in my third grade spelling bee. Look at you. See, there you go. <laughs> but yeah. you came here to talk about games or to hear us talk about games anyway, and maybe talk back to your radio as we're talking. So let's let's do that. Actually, let's not yet, because you know, you just mentioned how oh, you know oh, we're gonna have you, you know some, some banter and you know um we're going back to our old ways. 
to crank out the banter just a little bit longer. We're going to stretch this thing. It's been a while since we've had a good long banter. So <laughs> keeping in mind our um, our feature today, the showdown between Kimmel Up second, second Edition and Kimmel Up the Card Game, it got me thinking about the speed of land animals. Like how fast can a camel run? How fast are other animals? What are the fastest animals? And so, Dean, that's the question I want to pose to you. What do you think? Cheetah. Are the, <laughs> you're, you're a cheetah. Everybody knows, okay, yeah, fine. Cheetah, number one, fastest land animal. But like 60 miles an hour, right? 60-something miles an hour, does that seem 70, right? 75, actually. Wow. I think it's okay. like top speed. Could you, I, mean, that's, I, I don't even drive that fast. Oh. A, cheetah, a cheetah can outrun me in my car. That's impressive. But yeah, what that's, else? That's interstate level. That's crazy. <laughs> that is, or freeway, as you say, in the Midwest. That's... Do they? I don't pay attention. I still call do it. Do you interstate. not say freeway in Indiana? I, I don't know if they do or not. I still call it the interstate. Okay. All right. Yeah. Darren uh, is living his own, you know, <laughs> living in his own world. I'm just a missionary up here. I'm not a true Hoosier. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Tennessee missionary. <laughs> uh, but if you're thinking about the other, like top 10 fastest animals, we won't take too long on this, but can you throw out a few others? If you can get five others of the top 10, I'll be impressed. Cheetah, yeah. Easy. Gimme. These what are else all land got? animals. All land animals. Land animals. I'm assuming they probably, a lot of them have to be cats, right? Maybe. You would think there would be more cats. There are some. Okay. Is this like three strikes, I'm out? I love doing this. Yes, yes. This is three strikes and you're out. You got to get at least five. All right. You've already got one. You got cheetah. Leopard, nope. Uh, I would like to... uh... I would like to have a, a, a ruling, uh, a judge, a judgment on this one. I think that's wrong. Okay, well, let's go with. Oh, go ahead. You can check safar, safarisafricana.com if you don't believe me. Well, if my cartoon childhood taught me anything, I would say the Roadrunner <laughs> is 100% on that list. And it's strike number two. <laughs> Looney Tunes have failed you, me. You can't trust Looney Tunes. They don't even well, know if it's duck season or rabbit season. Tasmanian devils are pretty fast too. Is it spinning around fast or running fast? Because that's <laughs> this, this is sprinting in a straight line fast, not not whirling dervish fast. Oh man, I, my kids are going to be disappointed because I bet I feel pretty confident they would know the answers to these. Can you at least tell me a continent for the number two? <laughs> can I can I get a hint on this? Um, you know what? How about let me give you a continent for several of them? Okay, a- Africa. Okay, I assume that was the case. <laughs> Oh man, I'm bad at this. Let's say, ah. Uh, In your defense, there are some pretty obscure-sounding animals to someone who's growing up in in the middle of North America. Okay, some of these you probably won't know unless you spend a lot of time at zoos. Which I'm, I do. I love zoos, actually. Well, then you should be disappointed, and your kids will be as well. Gazelle. You know, I'm going to give you that one because okay. about two or three of these are types of like gazelle or antelope. Um, they're in that family. And so I know What's like that one called the, the dick dick. Is that? So, no, I don't even know what you okay. said. We're trying to keep okay. this family friendly. <laughs> the, um, it's, isn't that what it's called? That little, it's like a smaller gazelle kind of thing. Maybe. So some of those, like the springbok is one of those. Okay. Um, yeah. Prog horn, it's not quite like that, but it's sort of in that in that family. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a and, and then a black buck. You, you wouldn't have guessed those three specifically, but they're all kind of in that 
deery, antelope, gazelle family. Some are Africa, some like North America. So, okay, so I've got four now. You, I got four out of <laughs> ten. I'm sure, yeah, yeah. If you can get one more here in the next minute so we can move on, uh, that would be oh, great. Oh, boy. Um, let's no, go wrong. with the... Uh, I said Roadrunner already. Let's go with... <laughs> Probably not a coyote then is my guess. Let's go Dr- with a let's go with a uh this is not right. This isn't right. We're gonna go with a zebra. We're gonna <laughs> We're gonna go no, for I'm our sorry. Australian listeners. <clears throat> okay. Three. Um but I will give you something well it's not even close. Oh, Never oh, mind. I can't ostrich. Even give you that. Ostrich. That was so, my actual number three. So guess. technically that's not on this list because it's a two legged bird. <laughs> so they didn't include that on the list, but I think an ostrich would be an honorable mention here. Because I want to wow. say the, the that ostrich. Is not fair. Well, you know, I don't I don't make the rules or the list. Let's look and see where the ostrich. I want to say the ostrich is giving a hard time saying that one. <laughs> ostrich, seventy-two kilometers per hour. Uh, I don't know what that translates to. It's like one hundred and fifty miles an hour. I think. No, I don't think it is. No, that's still. <laughs> It would be That's close. Like 40, right? 40 miles an hour? It, 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 it would be tied. Um, I'll give it to you as an honorable mention. Here are some of the others and see if you would have guessed some of these. Quarter horse. I used to have a quarter horse, actually. Did you know? Yeah. Did it, did it run 54.7 miles per hour? It's in the hills of Tennessee, so <laughs> no, it did not. Okay. This one should have, you know, you being a Disney fan, you should have known Wildebeest. Mm. I mean, come on. They trampled Mufasa. Oh, sorry, spoilers. Spoiler. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, but speaking of Mufasa, Lion was number six at 50 miles okay. per hour. I was going to guess Lion, but I, they were lazy, too. So I didn't think they well, get a lot of exercise. Well, because they run 50 miles an hour, they got to rest up. Oh. Uh, a hare. Like a, like a oh, rabbit. A hare. Yeah. Think about okay. that. Uh, th- this one should have been an easy one. Greyhound. Mm, the bus. Gotcha. The bus. Well, that, that's probably what threw you because you're thinking of the bus. And if there's anything that's not fast in this world, it is the Greyhound bus line. <laughs> that is very uh, true. Well, actually, my mind immediately goes to Santa's little helper. Is that <laughs> you get you get the reference there? I get the reference. That's, okay. All right. That's, that's a Simpsons, the Simpsons dog. He was not very fast. <laughs> which is why he went fast. to the Simpsons. Oh goodness. Um after that, kangaroo, 44 miles per hour. Oh, okay. And then, and then this one, uh, which again makes me think of of the hyena and and all that again from Lion King, but the African wild dog at forty four miles per hour, which would have been down there around the ostrich speed level. So, mm. which is why we with a name like you. African wild dog, you gotta be you gotta be fast and scrappy. I think if you look at the picture of this thing, it is scrappy most most certainly. That's pretty cool. So I uh, I know we got to get to games, but yep, yep. we have this at the Nashville Zoo. We have this uh, kangaroo open petting area. You can walk in there and if they're on the path and, and they want to be petted, you can pet them and all that. But they have this like giant long stretch that shows how far they can jump. And I've yet to see one jump anywhere right. near that far. But my <laughs> goodness, they just, are leapers. They, yeah, just knowing it's fast. possible is something... They're also jacked. Some of those, some of those guys are jacked. I would not want to punch them. Ooh, and, well, yeah. and especially because you know you can't punch and run. You gotta. You're gonna get chased down. It's gonna get you. It will most certainly. You can't even outrun your neighbor because it's probably gonna get both of you one pounce. 
All right, we've lost all of our new listeners because of you, Darren. It's gone. And I apologize so, for that. That, that was, I, It was worth it because we're going to be talking about Ark Nova. No, we're not. But it would make sense <laughs> if we were talking about Ark Nova that we would throw out that. In fact, it was just a random side note. We're going to be talking about some racing, and we were talking about speedy animals. Somehow that translates to board games. So let's talk about some of the things we've been playing recently, Dean. Camel wasn't even on the list. All right, go <laughs> ahead. <laughs> uh, we're ready for this? Okay. Okay, let's do um, it. So, so something that, that, that I've been playing lately, it's not quite racing, although you do kind of feel like you're moving a ship uh, around the world. Uh, this is In the Footsteps of Darwin. This is the 2023 game. Uh, it's a review copy that we received from Hachette uh, when I was there at Gen Con. And it's designed by Gregory Grard and Matthew Verdier. Uh, the art is by Maude Brion and David Sitbon. And published by, as I mentioned, uh, Hachette and Sorry We Are French, which is one of my favorite publisher titles uh, of all time. It is great. It is great. Uh, In the Footsteps of Darwin plays two to five players, 20 to 30 minutes. It is a Rondale-style game with tile drafting and placement um, where you are a junior naturalist that is, oddly enough, following in the footsteps of Darwin. Um, <laughs> you, you are aboard the Beagle, uh, helping Darwin finish his book on the origin of species. So that's sort of the story behind, behind the game. The main board is a map. It's a map of the world. It's covered in a three-by-thread grid of tiles. Um, again, it's, it's a Rondale with one moving piece that goes around it, and that moving piece is a little chunky, uh, HMS Beagle. And so the tiles on the board, uh, they might be animals, they might be people like Darwin or, or some others who are connected to his trip here. And so on your turn, you're going to take two actions. You're going to take one of the tiles from the row or column that's facing the Beagle. Cause again, that ship is just moving around the rows of the, of the three by three grid. So on your action, you're going to take one of those tiles and you're going to take it and you're going to place it on your board your player board um, has room for like 16 different animal tiles and three different people tiles. And on your board, your board itself is divided into four different regions. You've got the American region, an African region, the Asian and Oceania. And each region needs different types of animals. It needs like an anthropod, a mammal, a bird, and a reptile. And so the spots on your board, um, along with some potential in-game point tokens that will be out there will determine what tiles you're wanting to try and take and where you want to place them. So like I said, you can take some of these animals and you can put them on your board, or there's some people out there that you can take and you've got spots on your board for, for people. And then once you place your tile, whichever it is, you're going to take the bonus. If any of that's on that tile, that could be something that gives you points. It could be something that, uh, it could be a guide. Maybe it gives you a guide that will help you manipulate the movement of the beagle because that's your second action. Once you take a tile and place it, the second thing you're doing is you're going to move the HMS Beagle around the board. Uh, you're going to move it clockwise around the grid, as many spaces forward as the distance between the Beagle and the tile in the tile you just selected. So for instance, if you took the tile directly in front of the Beagle from the main board, then you're going to move the Beagle one space. If you took the tile that was three spaces away from the Beagle, then you're going to move the Beagle three spaces. Then after that, you'll refill the empty tile on the main board. Then there's the rules, basically. I mean, it's pretty simple and straightforward. There's a few other rules and, and, and niggly things here and, and ways to score, but that's basically it. And the game will end once everyone has placed 12 tiles. So it can go pretty quick. Um, but the art on this thing and the components are really cool. The animals are beautiful. It looks like they've been sketched and colored, down, colored in by a, by a naturalist. Um, 
the player board, it looks like a journal. The art on the tiles and the board, everything is gorgeous. The, the beagle piece is nice and chunky. Um, the, the, the rule books on this thing is, is impressive. There's this whole appendix book, this book in and of itself that reads like a travel diary with info about Darwin and all the animals in the game, little That's anecdotes cool. there. Yeah, it really is. It's really informative. Even the rule book, uh, and, and it's a good rule book, but the first two pages are just like Darwin stuff. It's, it's, it's info about, about Darwin and the journey and biographical stuff, things about the beagle. And all of it is very beautifully illustrated. I'd say it's a pretty light to medium light game. And if you're looking for a Darwin themed game, it's good. You know, I, this is a theme that interests me. You know, I looked into Darwin's journey by Luciani and Mangoni and, and it looks great, but it looks a little, looks a little heavy and a little too much like Newton for me, but I wanted a Darwin game and I'm always on the lookout for some kind of interesting tile game. And so this is something I think you can play with a family. It says eight and up. You can play with, uh, with, it can be a good welcoming game. Uh, for people who don't normally play board games, it can be a good game for a game group. Like if you needed something quick at the beginning or the or the end of a night, uh, I'm really impressed with this. This is a high play for me. It's not one that maybe I would have gone out and bought because I'm really <laughs> trying to pay attention to what I'm to what I'm spending these days. But mm-hmm. uh, but I'm glad that I've got it. I'm keeping it in my collection, and I may let you borrow it and play it. But uh, but it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, that was going to be my next question. So there we go. That, that might be one that we have to put on the stack. I like the look of this one and it it seems yeah. like it would be, yeah, it seems like that would be right up, right up my alley. I think that would be, yeah, that looks, that looks cool. And it's weight 1.64, whether that's, you know, an accurate thing or not, but that's, that's good. I yeah. mean, you know, it's, if, if you like lighter games, which I do, and I'm, especially because my family's getting more into games and this is. Uh, it's beautiful. Like you said, the production looks fantastic. Yep. It's smooth. It's quick. It's easy and interesting. It's not like just going through the motions. There's always something to kind of be thinking about, but it's not going to take you five minutes to figure that out. So it's really good. I highly recommend. Thanks again, Hachette, for the review copy that was in the footsteps of Darwin. Well, Darren, let me ask you a question. What is lighter than a naturalist journal? And I would say a junk drawer. <laughs> That's, you know, scale-wise, I guess that that doesn't really land perfectly because I'm guessing a lot of our junk drawers are much heavier than My junk drawer journal. is packed to the brim. My junk drawer looks like uh, a DeVere game box. <laughs> <laughs> Just <laughs> packed full. <laughs> oh, that is very true. Um, ooh, we'll get to that in the next couple weeks, I think. So... Junk Drawer is a game that is from 25th Century Games. Another, uh, is that right? 25th Century Games. Yes. Uh, and this is another review copy that we got in recently. And this is designed by David Smith. The artist is not recognized on here. Unfortunately. There we go. Yeah. Not listed in the uh, Board Game Geek, which is unfortunate. I think it's just kind of cool art. Anyway. Uh, so Junk Drawer is a polyomino game. It's a light polyomino game where you have a junk drawer that is split up into four different quadrants. And everyone has the same polyomino pieces. You're going to take four cards from a stack of cards that each each card represents one of the pieces of junk that you have, one of the tiles that you have. You're going to flip one of those cards over. Everyone's going to take that tile and you're going to put it in one of those four quadrants. That's easy enough. Then you're going to flip over the second card and you're going to put it in 
one of the other quadrants. You cannot, in that same round, put it in the same quadrant that you just placed one of your tiles. And then you do that four times, and that's a round. And then you're going to do another round, another round, another round, until somebody cannot place one of their tiles, and that's going to end the game, and then you're going to do the scoring. Now, there is a variant where you can, if you if your game wasn't over, you can keep playing, but I kind of think I'd like the original version where once one person is done, everybody's done. That way you're not just sitting around. It's a short game anyway. But why would you be placing these into your junk drawer in that way? Well, because there is a goal board that has four cards on it. And these cards are different from game to game. These are objectives. So if you're playing the recommended game, then it might say, uh, you. it'll say if you get one point for every for every um, like square that you've covered up or something like that. Like the, the more squares you cover up in this particular quadrant of the junk drawer, you're going to get one point for each of those squares. It's in each, each quadrant is a five by five grid. And so the whole junk drawer is a 10 by 10 grid. Then you, in another quadrant, I might say in this one, you might want to have the least amount of squares covered up. And another one, it might say that you want to have all of the, uh, perimeter pieces covered up and you're going to get, you know, a point for each perimeter piece that you have covered up or the, and again, this is the intro game. If you leave open the corners and the centerpiece, then each one of those squares will give you three points. And so that's how you're going to get your points throughout the game. Everyone's going to have the same objectives that they're going for. And it's a very quick game very light game and it is a very fun game too um i, I was going to go back and ask you what you thought about your you know we've been doing the pass play purchase category you've said that the purchase for you is my guess since you you're going to keep it in your collection i th- i think junk drawer falls in that purchase one as well i i really like polyomino games in general purchase if you like polyomino games and specifically if you like lighter polyomino games this kind of fits in that barren park realm but it's easier to teach for sure and it's easier to grasp the rules you can teach this game in just a couple minutes and be up and running and you're going to want to play it over and over again is my guess that that's my experience so i'm going to take this one with me this weekend i've got a retreat that i'm going on and i i'm really hoping to get this one played because it's it's fun i enjoy it a lot yeah i am a sucker for polyamino tile laying games. Uh, I will play just about any of them. This, this does look fun. This um, something that's light and quick and easy to teach. You can get down and you can play. Now I stink at these kind of games. Uh, I'm not, I think I am spatially challenged. Uh, Cindy beats me every time we play patchwork or Baron park or any of those types of games. Uh, I, th- I think the only time I've ever beaten her in Baron park was when uh, we threw in the, the monorail expansion. I think whatever that, that may be. All right. Yeah. Um, just because I added something that maybe I could do, but uh, I stink at these, but I do love this. Th- this looks good. It looks fun. Yeah. And the fact, like you said, it's 15 to 25 minutes or so. So you're going to play it probably multiple times in one sitting. You can't, cool, and especially because you're again, playing simultaneously. Everybody's taking the exact right, same top, right, right, putting right. it out on your board. Uh, but the way that plays out is, is different. You know, as you would imagine, if you're choosing quadrants, you're not always going to choose the same quadrants and, and the way your board right. Um, comes into play it's 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 pretty interesting so i i tend to be good at these games i'm i you know i'm not to toot my own horn but <laughs> i can spell and i can play these games actually i'm not a necessarily a great speller but we're learning so much about you today dude. <laughs> i'm also humble i'm the most humble person <laughs> that, that you, you are might ever meet you and moses 
<laughs> so we okay well this is good playing the games that we are both enjoying uh, in the footsteps of darwin and junk drawer but beyond those games that we are excited about playing there's some games that we're particularly jazzed about so let's go to the maple town jazz club What I am going to be talking about today, one thing I'm really jazzed about, is a little bit of an older game. I think, would you say it was a 2020 game? This is, oh, that can't be right. I'm going to double check you. I don't think you've... Yeah. Yeah, it's a 2020 game. The the base game of it or the... Oh, you're right. Good heavens. Okay. I'm so far behind. How can you be be jazzed about something that's three years (laughs) old? Oh, my goodness. Because I just received it. Okay, so... (laughs) Uh, time to start me- stop messing around here. The game I'm jazzed about right now is Call to Adventure, Brandon Sanderson's The Stormlight Archive. Great. And the reason why I'm jazzed about a three-year-old game is because I just recently started reading the Stormlight Archive books. If you do not know, this is based on some of the fantasy books written by Brandon Sanderson, who, in my opinion, granted, I'm not very widely read in modern day fiction, but in my opinion, may be the greatest fantasy world builder we've had since Tolkien. If not better, because he doesn't spend chapters talking about the blade of grass or whatever it may be. Uh, He is much more accessible and readable. Sanderson has done an amazing job of building a world that's not just about the fanciful stuff. It allows characters to deal with real world Problems. Some of these characters deal with things like um, depression. Um, they deal with with mental health. They deal with uh, real life things that people go through, and they're relatable. And he deals with topics like um, faith and how that interacts and shapes a person. And it's it's an astounding series. He, he's got several series. The Stormlight Archives are just one of his series. He has multiples, Mistborn, and other things. But I am fascinated by his by his books, and I don't I don't read a whole lot these days because when I do, I fall asleep. But I do a lot of Audible, and uh, and I've listened to basically everything that he's written in in this whole Cosmere world that he has created. And so when I heard that there was a board game based on the Stormlight Archives, uh, which is a series of books, I was very intrigued. And so I went, and a buddy of mine, uh, Phil, you've heard me talk about him before. He's my Gloomhaven Frosthaven buddy. And uh, he's the one that kind of got me into this. And so when I saw that Call to Adventure had a, a game based on this, I had to check it out. The game itself is designed by Chris and Johnny O'Neill. The art's by Adam J. Marin. It's published by Brotherwise Games. It's a wonderful players, 30 to 60 minutes. Uh, this particular game is a standalone expansion, expansion for Call to Adventure which is a hero crafting game. Have you ever played Call to Adventure before? No, I, okay. somebody has either Jonathan or John. I can't remember. I've always been intrigued to know more about these games. Yeah, it's something I'd heard about, but I've never really played. And Call to Adventure came out in, in 2019. But um, so again, you're crafting your hero. And in this in this particular version, you're starting as an archetype from the world of Roshar, which is the main planet in the, in the series. And so over the course of the game, you're going to be facing challenges, you're building up traits, you're gaining allies, maybe even become maybe even becoming a knight radiant. And if you've read the books, you know what that means. If not, read the books. So that way you can know what that means. <laughs> you're going to start with the, with like an origin 
card and a motivation card and a destiny card, and you're trying to build up your tableau, because that's what it is, a tableau building game. You're going to build it up in such a way that you will win when you've got the most destiny points. And so for me, again, one of the intriguing parts of this, of the gameplay, is that when you're attempting challenges, this is kind of cool, you're casting rune stones. There's like actual rune stones, stones, Dean, bones with runes mm. on them that you cast. I cannot wait to cast them runes, to throw them bones. <laughs> um, the game can be played solo. It can be played cooperatively. It can, played, uh, it can be played competitively. Lots of options here. Again, I don't know tons about the gameplay. All I know is that the world that it is set in is fascinating and the art is beautiful. And I've heard good things about Call to Adventure. So I'm pretty jazzed about this one. That's interesting. You sold me more on Brandon Sanderson's books than anything. Well, that's uh, what sold me. I don't know a lot about the, the game at this point, but uh, we're going to. I, mm, I'm going to have to download some books. Or maybe get some physical copies to read them. But who's got time for that? Am I right? Um, if you listen to them, you, you can find time. Walking the dog, driving the car. That's true. That's true. Cooking, and I, and I, washing dishes. I do, I do more of that these days, listening to to books. But uh, that's cool. It also, I don't know, it hasn't been that long ago. They just did a, did they do a Kickstarter for a, a deck building game? Is that right? Are you talking about Brotherwise? Yes. Yeah, Brotherwise <laughs> did a what is it called? Um uh, Okay, this was I'm I'm just finding this report. This was August 6th of this year. Uh from Dicebreaker said, "Fantasy author Brandon Sanderson will continue his expansion into the world of tabletop gaming with an upcoming deck building deck building game." Uh but I don't see the name of this. I do remember hearing about that. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, this is... I like deck building games, too. Um, let's see. The two games will accompany the planned release of... Oh, yeah, I don't see it. I don't see it on here. Sorry, that wasn't very helpful at all. But but you are right. There was an announcement, but, uh, but yeah, not quite sure what it is. So be on the lookout for that if that still appeals to you. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, it does. All of those things appeal to me, even though I don't know anything about. I, I hear good things. They, they, they had the huge Kickstarter for the new books that came out last year, which went bonkers. I mean, it was it was insane the amount of money that was raised for those books. So yeah, forget the amount, but Brandon Sanderson does now have the record for the overall largest Kickstarter. Forty one point seven million dollars is what it raised. For some books that he like sat around and wrote for his wife during uh shutdown, if, yeah. if I remember correctly. Yeah, I, I got lots of time. Let's write some books. He's amazing. I think of how much money I made during COVID. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't think it was that much. Yeah. Negative something, maybe negative that much. I don't know. But anyway, that sounds really cool. I, I want to try those Call to Adventure games, and that one seems like it would be really neat. Now, I guess you don't really have to go in any kind of order with those Call to Adventure. It seems as if they're just kind of standalone things. That is, so. that is my perception. Yep, yep. Speaking of standalone games, apart from other games in this universe, I have never played any of the Red Dragon in games. That uh, from Slugfest games that I'm aware of. No, 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 I haven't. They've been around for a long time. I've seen people playing them. In fact, at Tennessee Game Days, I saw people with 
a ton of this stuff. Uh, there's, you know, countless amounts of expanded things for this uh, universe of the Red Dragon in. Well, this year they released a game, actually recently released it. This is a, a newer release, Darren. I'm getting jazzed about some new things, not about things that came out three years ago. <laughs> this Don't one judge is called <laughs> Tales from the Red Dragon Inn. Now, you, if you listen to our top games and I talked about Gloomhaven, I talked about how potentially, maybe, possibly, something could come in and sweep over and, and sweep in, sweep through and take over that spot of a game that I really enjoy for what I'm looking for in a dungeon crawl. And this was the game that I was talking about. Now, I I first heard about this game. I saw a couple reviewers talk about it, the one one stop co-op shop and somebody else. I can't remember. Talked about how fun of a game this was. Now, let me let me start off by saying what what is Dean looking for in a cooperative dungeon crawl style game? You might be asking. What does Dean want? Well, what I want is a game that the mechanics are easy to pick up, something that I'm not having to constantly refer back to the rule book on. Uh, a fun story or a good story, you know, something that immerses me into what's going on and fun game mechanisms, okay? Just in general. All right. I may have said that one twice. <laughs> it's that important. <laughs> Did you ever, uh, yeah, I just started listing things. I didn't actually know where I was going. Michael Scott says, and from the office, like sometimes you just start a sentence and I don't even know where it's going. And that's that's what I just did. Story of my but life. That's the four that I'm looking for. Ask me what they are again. I would never be able to repeat that list to you. But one of the things that this, I think those game, this game has all of those things that I just mentioned, probably. I hope um, so. It, it has a fun story. The game mechanisms are fun. The, I don't have to constantly refer back to the rule book, although it does have newer rules. Any of these dungeon crawl games are going to have newer rules that, you know, bring you new information that you're going to have to refer back to. So there's that element that I'm okay with. Um, and then whatever that other thing of the list was. But what I really like about this game, what I'm really liking about it is just how fun it is. And I don't even know, sometimes it, sometimes that's just what I want. If you knew me, you would know that if I watch a movie, I just want to be entertained. I don't I don't need anything else. I'm super shallow. I want Are to you things. not entertained? Yes, I better be. I want to see things blowing up or I want to be laughing. That is what I want in movies. And this game kind of has some of that. I just want to be entertained. I just want to chuck dice sometimes. And so in this game, let me just point out a couple mechanisms that I really enjoy. One, you, you know, you're going around, it's got these story elements and this thing triggers and another story element pops up in the book and whatever. Um, also, the setup is super easy in this one. You've got these maps, these maps in a folder, and you just throw them out on the table, and you're done. I like that. But in this game, you have exploding dice, which, if you've played like Arcadia Quest, you know that exploding dice when you when you roll a die and it has this specific exploding symbol, that's a hit. Plus, you get to roll that die again. I always love that in games. It's like my favorite in dice chuckers for sure. Uh, the possibility of getting these huge, you know, huge, huge attacks is is a lot of fun. But you also have this cooldown uh, mechanism on the cards. 
And I forget what the other word is, but uh, let me explain that first. So cooldown, if I use this action, I'm going to take these time tokens and put however many are going to go on that card. So maybe it takes three time. I put three time tokens. Well, now I can't use that card until three rounds later unless there's something that allows me to invigorate those cards sooner. You also have cards that you only have like one shot uses of them. Or maybe it says put four tokens on this card at the beginning of the round, the beginning of the game. And you can use it this many times unless, again, there's an ability that lets you add more tokens on there. I really like all of those things. It's just so fun. And I don't know how else to explain it other than it's just fun. And that's exactly what I want in these style of games. It's something that if I put away for a few weeks, I could pull it back out and pretty much get an idea because the rules are on the board and and it's simple enough that you know what you need to be able to do. There's, you know, all of these games have the, you know, the line of sight, which by the way, line of sight in this is fantastic too. It's super easy to, to remember. Um, but there's other things like pushing and pulling and traps and all that, that you might have to refer back to the rule book, but not really a whole lot. This game is stinking fun and I am loving it right now. I think it's fantastic. If, if you love these style of games, like a, just a, again, I don't know how else to explain it, a fun dungeon crawler with not a ton of like rule heavy things, but also there's a lot of cool things going on. You know, as I look at the board here, I look at some of the pictures, I'll tell you what I think. I think it looks like a Saturday morning cartoon version of Gloomhaven Mm -hmm. with dice. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's a good thing, right? (laughs) I I think so. I think think it looks like fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, No, that's pretty cool, man. It sounds interesting. You you and so many other people I've heard are very passionate about this game and how good it is. it's one that I would like to try at some point for sure. The box is big, by the way. It's it's if you've seen the expeditions box, then you know the, the follow up to Scythe. It's about that size, except a little bit bigger. It's a little longer and a little uh, uh, thicker. The box is a little bit thicker, but other than that, it's about that size. So, so as you're playing this, is this something that is? Um, you would say, okay, this is my dungeon crawl with my family, or is this something you're breaking out with? And maybe you said this and I just wasn't paying attention, or is this something you're breaking out with your gaming group or Tennessee game days or any of that jazz? I would, I would do either. And right now I'm soloing it and that's, I'm playing two characters. My hope is to play with my kids on this one. And so far the story has been, um, not problematic. I, you know, I wasn't sure you know, you never know. Sometimes like with dungeon crawls, the story things, you know, there might be some right. things that come up you don't want to share with your family. But so far, I haven't really run into that at all. It's cool. It also has this little character that you can use that's, um, he's like the rabbit from uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. He just goes <laughs> berserk, dude. I mean, he's just going off on everything. It's it's really cool. Oh, it's a harmless little bunny, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> and I haven't even I haven't even been using him. I've been using other characters, and the characters are from the the lore of the Red Dragon Inn. Um, for those that are familiar with it, I guess it uses the same. Uh, the story even starts in the same uh, Red Dragon Inn. So, <laughs> but, but but you don't have to be familiar with that world in order to to play and enjoy this game. No, no, because I haven't played any of those. Right. But my guess is there's probably some spoiler, some Easter egg things in there that you would enjoy more is my guess. I don't know that. But again, since the characters 
are the same that you would be familiar with from Red Dragon Inn. So I, I like that. I like there's a little bit for both. I don't know anything about it and I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. But my guess is you would notice things differently. Cool. Sounds jazzy. Yeah, that is exactly what I'm jazzed about. That is, <laughs> for me, Tales from the Red Dragon Inn. Just, if I understood this correctly, really just released. Um, but I've been playing it for the last couple I don't know, like last month or so, maybe even longer than that. Now, let's get on to our showdown between Camelup the card game and Camelup second edition. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is the moment you've been waiting for, where we will pit similar games against each other and each decide which one is the best. This is the showdown in Meepletown. All right, Resonance, it is time for the showdown between Kemelup 2nd Edition and Kemelup the Card Game. But first, real quick, because I cannot help myself, a few fun camel facts. I find, <laughs> <laughs> I find camels fascinating, Dean, and the more I learn about this, uh, the more fascinated I am. Do you know how fast camels can run? Not faster than a cheetah. <laughs> I'm going to say 30 miles an hour. Ah, you know, you're not far off. 65 uh, kilometers per hour or 40 miles per hour. Mm. But they but they can sustain a run of 25 miles per hour. That's pretty interesting. Wow. For how long? Um, well, you know, the article I was looking at didn't say. I was wondering about that, but it just said they can sustain it. So I'm going to guess for, yeah, let's say five or so kilometers. Hmm. Okay. You just made that up. I did. <laughs> did you know that 90% of camels are domesticated? How many? 90%. Wow. Not a, That's crazy. Not a lot of wild camels out there. Mm-mm. And I guess because of that reason, racing camels is very popular in places like Western Asia, North Africa, Horn of Africa, Pakistan, Mongolia, Australia. They all race camels. Camels, did you know? Camels have three eyelids and two sets of eyelashes and thick lips oh. that can eat. <laughs> I wish you wouldn't have told me that, actually. That's going to give me nightmares. <laughs> that is wild. And, and really thick lips, that way they can eat thorny plants. They can go weeks or even months without water because those humps on their back, they don't store water. They store fatty tissue that gives them nutrients that they need. Camels are fascinating. You know what else is fascinating? What's that? Camel Up Second Edition. This is a fun. Wait, you <laughs> don't want to know my. You don't want to know my uh, interesting camel facts. Oh, you have some fun camel facts. Please enlighten us. Yeah. So, do you know why camels <laughs> blend in so well with their surroundings? Oh no. <laughs> What's that? Because they use camouflage. <laughs> You don't, yes. you don't even care about my, <laughs> forgive, about me. My, <laughs> forgive me my for facts. ignoring that fact. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, what about, okay. Do you know what the camel, what the camel says when he met his friend in the Sahara? He said, long time, no see, cause it's the, it's the desert. No see, right. S-E-A. No yeah. Yeah. I get it. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm done with my camel facts. Thank the Lord. All right, so Camel Up Second Edition is a 2018 game designed by Stefan Bogan, art by Chris Williams, uh, my new favorite last name to say. I love that, Williams, and published by Eggert Spiel. This plays three to eight players, 30 to 45 minutes. And in the game, it's like we've said, you are betting on camel racing, and you're basically just trying to have the most money whenever the race, whenever the race finishes. Each race is made up of several legs. And at the end of each leg, there is a payout, you know, slash scoring round. On your turn, you're going to take one of five actions. 
you're going to take a betting ticket. Okay, and there's these stacks of these tickets for each color of camel that will pay you or cost you money, depending on where that color camel is when that leg of the race is done. And you're going to, so that's one action you can take. Two, you can place a spectator tile on an empty track space. And those that's, if a camel lands on your tile that you place, then you will get one coin. Plus the camel will have to move either one space forward or one space back, depending on which side you laid the tile on. The third thing you can do, you can take a pyramid ticket, uh, which will also be worth a coin. Plus it lets you use the famous pyramid die shaker. Yes, a pyramid die shaker. Um, the, the pyramid has got these colored dice inside. There's one for each color of the camel, including the two crazy camels. Yes, if you're unfamiliar with this, there are two crazy camels that are going backwards and can really mess the race up. And so what you're going to do, you're going to shake that dice pyramid. You're going to push the button. It's going to poop out a die. And whatever color it is, that's the camel that moves. And if a camel ever lands on top of another camel, they just keep stacking. And whichever camel's on top of the stack is considered to be in front. And so if camels are on the back of crazy camels, when those crazy camels move, then those camels that are on top will move backwards with them. And so once all the dice are rolled, um, that leg will end and you will get your payout or you will pay up again, depending on your leg betting tickets. But there's always one die that does not come out. So you always have a little bit of imperfect information there. Not all the dice will come out each leg. So um, other things you can do. You can also bet on the overall winner or the loser of the race by placing one of your colored finish cards uh, into the appropriate stack. So you can gain money there at the, at the end of the race. And lastly, there's one optional rule. It's an additional action only for games with six or more players. Um, there you can enter a betting partnership by taking an opponent's partnership card and giving them yours. And so what that means is whenever um, whenever it's time to score a leg, you can choose to copy one of their betting tickets and, and them yours. So you've got those potential actions you can take. Um, you go leg after leg, and then whenever a camel crosses the finish line, the game ends immediately. It's basically how Camel Up is played. Now, Camel Up the card game came out in 2023, designed and art by the same people. This time it's published by Pretzel Games. And this one plays only two to six players, uh, but also 30 to 45 minutes. Though I will say that time may be a little bit of a stretch because the game can stretch. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but again, the, the game is very similar to Camel Up. Uh, you've got the same kind of coins, the same kind of camels, but it adds some hand management to the game. And it only has one crazy camel. And the track this time, instead of being a beautiful board that opens up before you, the track is made of cards that will vary in length depending on the player count. But the basics of the game are same. Camels are still racing, they're stacking, and you're trying to have the most money at the end. It still has leg betting cards as well as final betting cards. It also has tokens you can use to move camels forward one space or backward one space, except now there's only one of each of those. Not every player has each of their own. There's only one of each in the whole game. So if you put one out there, it will not return to the supply until a camel lands on it. Plus, if that happens, you don't get a coin and you actually may lose a coin at the end of the, le at the, end of the leg if no camel lands on that token you put out there. But the real difference in the game is in the cards, which each have a colored camel on them and a move value of one or two. And so depending on the player count, at the beginning of each leg, the players will be dealt a certain number of cards. 
they'll then have to discard a certain number of cards and then place one of the remaining cards left up in front of them. The rest of each player's dealt cards will all go into a racing deck that is then shuffled up with the crazy camel cards, and all of those cards together will now be used to move the camels. So on your turn, you must perform one racetrack action, and you may perform one betting action, either before or after your racetrack action. Okay, so the racetrack actions are this, real quickly. Um, you can place your shortcut or your Finnick token out. And the Finnick token is the one that moves the camels backwards. We we think maybe that's a carryover from the old expansion uh, or, or, or the old game camel cards. We believe maybe that little fox has worked its way in there somehow. But you can place your shortcut token or your Finnick token out on the board. That's one thing you can do. Or you can reveal the top card of the racing deck and then move that camel that many spaces. Or you can play your face-up racing card. Uh, or you can play an opponent's racing card and move the camel that many spaces. But if you play your opponent's card, you have to pay them one coin. So you must perform one racetrack action. Those are the ones you can take. You may perform one of the betting actions before or after that. And the betting actions are simply this. You can take an available leg betting card. There's no limit to how many of those you can take. You can take as many as you want, um, but only one on your turn. Or you can take one final betting card. And you can only have one of those throughout the entire game. But you can swap those in and out on different turns. And so whenever the racing deck is empty, the leg ends, and again, you pay out or you pay up on the betting tickets. And this is where it gets a little tricky and, 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 uh, and a little different. So far, everything probably still sounds about the same, but this is where it gets a little weird. When the leg ends and after you do the payouts, before you start the new leg, if there are fewer than three spaces between the lead camel and the finish line, you must extend the track by adding cards until there are exactly three spaces between the lead camel and the finish line. You also have to check and see if there are any empty racetrack cards between the leading camel and the last camel. If so, if there's an empty track card, a sandstorm blows through and you have to flip that card over because at the beginning of the race, each track card has two spaces on it. But when you flip it, now it only has one space because the sandstorm covered up that dividing line. So it's kind of a cute catch up mechanism there. And again, You'll keep doing that leg after leg until the race ends, which is immediately once a camel crosses the finish line. And that is basically how you play Camel Up, the card game. You didn't mention, Darren, but when you when the camels actually, they finish the race, they, uh, they have to park the camels. They put them in a camel <laughs> lot. That's awful. Is that like a, a, a medieval camel joke? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's got lots of different, lots of different facets to it. Yeah. Oh, it's a very facets. deep joke. Uh, <laughs> All right, Darren, let's look at, uh, you did a great job of explaining the rules and, and how some of those differences play out in the gameplay. Let's talk about what we think about the games and then maybe do a little comparison. You're only hold, able to hold on to one, which one you're going to hold on to, but let's talk about our, our, some of the things you like about both of these games first. I think with Kimmel Up, one of the, the first things that grabs you is just the production is amazing. Like when you open that board and it's got that pop out tree, that comes out of the middle of it. And again, this is the second edition we're talking about. It's gorgeous. The components are cool. The little uh, neat coin tokens. and the, But the, the hero there is the dice rolling pyramid. I mean, that is super fun just to put the dice in, shake that thing up and poop that little die out. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> just that alone. And then, and then the odds, you know, because not all the dice are going to come out, 
you're when you're betting, you're playing the odds of oh, okay, what's that next one going to be? The more dice that come out, you kind of have an idea, and then you know, then all of a sudden the betting starts furiously uh, when people start seeing which camels can move and can't move. I, I love that little part of of Camel Up of the the second edition. What about you? Yeah, totally agree with that. I mean, when somebody walks by the table playing Camel Up, it is it's a showstopper, you know. I mean, it's it really does. It, it it does slow people down. They're like, whoa, what is this game? You know, a lot of people know what it is now, but I think especially early on, it it has quite the table presence. And it's and it's just even the even the, with the camels being that hard plastic, you know, mm-hmm. really dense plastic, I think is is uh, even a nice touch on there. Just, everything just looks so smooth with that yeah. production. So. I'm with you. The the art on the box, the art on the cards and the board and everything just looks beautiful. I will say, though, with a card game, I felt like it was also a great production for what it is. I mean, still using those same camels, using cards, and that's it without the board. Um, but the negative about that is a big, you know, a big plus of Camel Up is the production, even in the first edition, even though, you know, you, you had the cardboard pyramid and all that even with that i think it was a nice production the card game you don't really get that although with what they were going for i think it's a great production yeah yeah i totally agree you lose part of the production but what you lose there you gain in portability Mm -hmm. you can take camel up the card game anywhere and basically play it anywhere i'm even thinking you could play that thing on two uh trays on, on an airplane just use both both trays, or especially all three of them, if, if there's three of you traveling together, just lay the trays out and let the track kind of go and extend as it as it needs. But uh, but yeah, very portable. But yeah, same coin, same beautiful art. And um, but but another part of the difference there, though, in the card game is it adds that extra level of strategery that you don't quite have in Camel Up. Camel Up is a little more random. If you want to have some agency in how the camels move and have a little more mind game going on with the people you're playing with, then I think Kimmel Up the Card Game adds that um, and has that on uh, on the second edition. It just made me think, Darren, sorry, I'm jumping uh, jumping around a little bit. Johnny Meepletown just reached out to me this past week. He's going on a cruise with some friends, and he was asking, is there a, is there a game you can think of that's real small that I can you know put in my bag that's also easy to teach. I didn't even think about this, even though we were had in our list to talk about. I don't know why I didn't suggest this, but I'm going to reach out to him and, and well, hopefully he listens to this episode and he'll hear me saying this. <laughs> but uh, but this would actually be a, a great fit for exactly what you're talking about. No, no, no. That's one thing that I think is great about both games is they are both very um, easy to teach. I think families are very welcoming to to new gamers, uh, but also adds enough fun and chaos and strategy even for for gamers and so yeah they they really do fit um uh they have a niche that can fit with everybody but you know one you're going to have the production one you're going to have the portability and the extra strategy and part of the reason why we're talking about this i don't know if i mentioned this or not but the card game did come out in um in 2023 so this is a newer game and so, uh, and I, I think it's a shame that more people haven't been talking about it because it's such a good betting game. If you like that kind of game, that what what it can add to this to this genre of games, um, the the almost party game like atmosphere, but yet having that uh, easy rules to teach, but also having the the strategic element is a uh, it's really good. You know, 
I mean, I'm kind of giving away some of my final thoughts here, but it's really good. Yeah, well, and, and honestly, because of of kind of the nature of the showdowns anyway, it's okay to move into our final thoughts um, because, you 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 know, it, it's all this is just kind of coming out as as we share. But, right. but I think that's one of the things, Darren, it, it falls for me in one of those categories of, now I know we feel differently about this, but Castles of Burgundy and Castles of Burgundy, the card game, you know, right. they both, they're not exactly the same game, but they're really similar. And with Castles of Burgundy, the card game is a little bit different because you're really not saving that much space because it does, it's quite the table hog for a card game. The Camel Up card game is different though, because it is a smaller space. You're not taking up all the same room, although it's not, you know, it's not like you're just playing a, you know, just a normal card game. There is, you know, the, the track expands out, you have your own little player area where you're keeping your stuff. And so it's, it's not like it's super small either necessarily. Um, you can, I don't know, you're going to take up, if you're playing on a table, you're going to take up a decent amount of space if you want to, but you can also play it on a, on a tray table if you, if you want to do that. Right. But for a lot of people, I think they, they might fall in the same category of me as do I need to have both if I already have one, you know, I already had the board, have the board game. I've had it for a while. It's been a big hit with lots of different people that I've played it with. But do I need to have the card game? And that that really is what the question boils down to. And you're maybe tipping your hat saying, yeah, potentially you do. Potentially you might even just want to have the smaller version. Well, so so I will say this. I would say if I had to, I will say there are there is room for both in my collection. Like for instance, this weekend, you know, we're having some people over to our to our student center. We're gonna watch some football, we're gonna play some games. Camel up, the second edition, will probably make an appearance, at least as an option. Because it's got the production, it's, it's easy to teach and, and all that. Anybody can can play it, I feel like. But the card game is the one that I would rather play. Because I love the strategic element of playing those cards. Of being able to have some say-so. Being able to tempt someone with that face-up card in front of me. Or be able to use that face-up card that someone else plays. There's a little more going on in the card game. So I would say both have their place in a collection, but if I've got to choose one, I'm going to choose the card game. I've got them both rated like an 8.5, but I would, I would give the card game the the edge on this one just because of the, the extra uh, strategic elements and manipulation that kind of comes along with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. And I, and I don't disagree with what you're saying. I do love that element that you have, a little more agency over, over how you're moving the the camels around and, um, and even not even just, you know, your card, but also the other players cards, all that, all that is very cool. My issue with it though, is that one last rule that can right. really frustrate somebody, including myself. Um, this was a game that we didn't have a whole lot of time to play. Now. Okay. Know that I have only played that game once. I've only played the card game once, but I felt confident enough to be able to share my thoughts, especially because you love that one so much. My issue was we had a limited amount of time to play it and you sold it as a shorter game and it very well could have been, (laughs) it could have been a shorter game, but that was not our experience because we kept having to move the track along and move the track along. And that was us. That was the way that we were playing and the way that it was, we were doing it. But the fact that that could happen is an issue for me. And, and that's not going to happen in the board game. You you can still have camels that will catch up, but at the same time, and, and, and it will happen. You know, the, the way the yeah. board state changes is 
it's pretty fascinating actually i kind of like i like that about camel up and how it just changes so much that who you think mm-hmm. is gonna win maybe not it could very well come in last place you know just the way that things pan out but with the card game it just kept because the track was getting pushed along it ended up just delaying the game and not ne- making it better necessarily in my opinion yeah and that was the only game that we've had that did that and I'll, but that's also the only time that i think i've played it with two players i'm sorry that's not the only time i played it with two players but it's only happened in that game so i wonder if that's more of a stronger possibility in a two-player game because you don't have more people potentially you know messing some of that up mm-hmm. um but but yeah that 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 is very true that that can that can happen apparently from our experience and there's one more thing I would say about the card game too that's not great um, the rule book is a little wonky like at the end of the leg what to do at the end of a leg there's one rule that that happens that it talks about there at the end of the leg part of the rule book and there's another thing that it mentions like a few pages down that you also do at the end of the leg and so. If you're not reading it, if you're just like spot checking, trying to find, oh yeah, this is what you did in the leg, you're going to miss something because mm. it says it mentions it earlier in the rule book. So, so the rule book can be a little confusing as far as like how, how to move from one leg to the next um, if you're not really fully going all the way through it. But there are, you know, there's not that many pages to do that, and and I, I guess it's no worse than the the unfolding rule book of the second edition, which again I hate. Please don't do that to your rule books. Yeah. publishers where they kind of unfold yep. and you're, you're like, I got to flip it this way. How do I find what's going on? Um, but the, I do feel like the rules are a little more clear though in the, in the second edition. So if you had to niggle something, those would be the things that I would mention. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't disagree with that based on what you said, but I didn't actually read the rule book for the card game. So for me, I, I do I obviously fall a little bit differently. I would prefer to have the second edition. Now, are the interesting are the choices more interesting in the card game, like Darren was saying? Yep, I agree. I agree with that. With the way that the cards, you know, you can play your card or or pay to play somebody else's card. I think that's interesting. It's just not necessarily what I need for this game. You know, mm. it. I'm okay with it just being this crazy experience of betting on horses and or betting. Oof, what am I doing? It's camel up <laughs> horses, betting on camels, um, and that being the game. You know, the 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 crazy silliness of this game is is what I come to enjoy. But I get that a lot of people would fall in the category of, oh, I'd really like to have a little bit more agency for how those camels are moving. And that is what the card game does. So I can 100% see what you're saying. It's just for me, the production being probably the number one thing. And then just the the silliness of the second edition, I'm, I'm way okay with that. I'm okay with, with having just this beautiful production on the table and then playing through and just kind of seeing what happens if you don't care about you know, who wins and all that jazz. Right. So, so I I love that. I love that we, we both have differing views on this and I, and I think you might have room in your collection for both. You might want to have both for me. I'm fine with the card, with the board game, Darren, you want to have both. I could see some people just saying, no, I'm good with the card game. It takes up less space. I've got more interesting decisions. All of that are reasons why I would want to keep this in my collection. Yep. They are great. If you've not played either, please check them out. Too much fun. Yeah. Excellent. So camel up, check both of them out. If you would like to get in touch with this, you can reach out to us on all of our social media outlets uh, at Mapletown Games. That's on X and Facebook and Instagram. You can also connect with us on the 
<laughs> on the Discord, I'm working on getting a code that is permanent. Um, somebody sent me a link and I just haven't had a chance to go through that yet. So hopefully I'll be able to do that quickly within the next week. Um, also going to our guild is a great thing to do. Uh, finding out, you know, polls and conversation that's going on there. And just reaching out to us, meepletownmail at gmail.com. Send us questions. We need more questions in our mailbag. And just compliment us. Say good things about us. Overall, though, <laughs> if you want to say good things about us, we really recommend that you go and leave us a review. That helps get our name out there even more. And it also just makes us feel good and warm and fuzzy inside. So if you've not left a review, please do that. And until next time, thanks for coming down to Meepletown. Later. What's the difference between Cleopatra and King Arthur? One had Camelot and the other had a lot of camels. That's worse than the others. Let's try this one. How does a cool camel greet his buddies? How you doon? <laughs> sand you dunes. Doing? Like sand dunes. That's not Am I right, actually. Uh, you're right. <laughs>